to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. This week's show guest is Bhaskar Prabhakara, co-founder and CEO of We Invest. We Invest is one of Asia's leading digital wealth providers, helping banks, brokers, and wealth managers launch a full suite digital investing experience for their relationship managers and customers. Bhaskar, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jay, and thank you for having us here. Yes, uh, we're happy to speak with you and have you on the show and learn more about uh, your company. So. Uh, before we dig into exactly what we invest is, maybe you can give us a little bit of uh, personal background of yourself, uh, you know, who you are, where you're from originally, and um, how you came up to becoming an entrepreneur. Sure. Um, so I grew up in India, uh, and I kind of, after finishing my engineering and my MBA degrees uh, from some pretty good colleges, kind of started off in banking, uh, was part of ICICI, India's largest private bank at that point in time. Uh, working on creating some structured products. Um, and then I moved on into consulting and traveled across uh, the Bay Area to London, uh, spent some time consulting with Charles Schwab, Reuters, and pretty much a lot of the capital market investment banking kind of uh, clients in London, like Goldman, uh, Credit Agricole, CMC Markets, and so on. I kind of spent almost eight years there in London before moving to Singapore in 2012, uh, where I used to head up the Asian business of the same capital markets consulting firm called Headstrong. Um, And over these years uh, with Headstrong, I'd kind of built up businesses from scratch, working with a lot of uh, capital markets kind of organizations in moving what you call brick and mortar models into digital business models. Um, And when it kind of occurred to me that, you know, we've been building business for others. We got acquired and I said, why shouldn't I try and do it for myself? Um, And hey, wealth seemed like a very personal problem, growing from being a mass market investor to a, let's call it an affluent investor to a high net worth investor. uh, The problem hadn't gotten any easier, but it actually seemed that it had gotten a bit worse. Uh, So, hell, we said, why not? Uh, Let's try and solve the problem. We used to kind of taking brick and mortar models and making it into a digital business model. And there were lots of opportunities here. So 2014 is when uh, we kind of embarked on thought of WeInvest. Right. So so back to your experience before that, you you, you did a number of, uh, you've, you've done a number of uh, consulting uh, type jobs, working directly with sort of wealth managers, uh, large investment banks, global investment banks. Um, what were the actual solutions that you were uh, working on at these banks that uh, that sort of helped you uh, along the way? You know, I mean, I know that you were you obviously um, you know have vast international experience, but uh, what was the actual uh, solutions that you were working on at the various banks? Sure. Um, so, a couple of examples were we were working with. Uh, Goldman on building out some of the electronic trading connectivity kind of uh, high frequency kind of connection connections to exchanges. Uh, we embarked on one of the dark pool exchange programs where we were going to try and do uh, matching of orders and uh, across a variety of asset classes. 
Okay. We worked with CMC Markets, where it was a proper market maker on uh, contract for differences uh, as a product. Uh, and it was literally 40 sales traders calling out uh, clients and getting them to trade. Uh, hmm. We converted it into an entire digital platform where right from clients getting on border to getting online tutorials to make their first trades to being able to work on a on next generation front end to trade in uh, CFDs to being able to actually from a backend perspective do real-time position keeping and connectivity to multiple prime brokers to again the whole feedback loop uh, and I think that CMC experience was phenomenal because it was really taking an end-to-end play and making it a completely digital model. Um, and then I moved here, as I said, and then worked with folks like uh, Macquarie and moving a lot of their capital markets kind of work to different areas. We implemented the, the new exchange in uh, Malaysia, in Bursa, Malaysia, uh, stock exchange. So it was a lot of capital markets creating connectivity, uh, getting an end-to-end uh, flow of business going in. With some of the asset managers, we worked on kind of building out more uh, position keeping and bookkeeping kind of platforms with them uh, to kind of more or less stay in trend with what was happening from a real-time client reporting perspective. Right. So are you currently based in, is it Singapore or Malaysia right now? No, I'm, I'm, I've been based in Singapore for the last six years. Right. Okay. So it sounds like you do have a vast, uh, a, a vast amount of experience uh, in both banking and technology. And so you're able to sort of draw on those experiences from your past to create a solution, uh, which I guess today is called WeInvest. Um, was there uh, any sort of personal type pain points, uh, you know, when you were talking about uh, growing your wealth and, and uh, you know, wealth management, um, that led you down this path to basically uh, where you said earlier, you referenced that you said, hey, why don't we just give it a go and try to solve this problem ourselves? Was there a particular experience that you had that led you to that point? Um, you know, like how did you stumble upon? Obviously, there's, look, there's, there's, um, there's many sort of uh, solutions out there that uh, you could have tried to tackle and go after. Why this particularly? Why, uh, you know, sort of a wealth management type uh, solution? Sure. Um, well, kind of goes back to background in terms of we came out from some of the best colleges, but came from a very middle class background. So, and given the whole mindset of uh, having to save and then invest, I did start investing. Uh, quite early on but mm. typically we used to do real estate investments which was fine but then there was obviously a lot of issues around you know how do you kind of get liquidity in an estate uh, in an asset class like real estate how do you try and then start investing in financial assets um at least in western europe uh, there were what you call a lot of low-cost brokerages uh, but as we moved into asia and we were starting to look at how do you invest uh, and we'd kind of grown i guess over family into a slightly more affluent to high net worth uh, situation um, the number of products is obviously wide pretty wide in terms of the choices uh, but in terms of getting advice it didn't seem like the easiest uh, kind of area to find a trustworthy advisor a lot of uh, ifas of independent financial advisors um, seem to have taken a very mutual fund oriented or insurance oriented route to get a really high kind of sales charge and kind of trailer fees. Uh, 
Um, many of the banks were also charging pretty obscenely high sales charges and um, and the private banks uh, were maybe just a bit out of the reach. So at least on an affluent level, I felt that it was not really easy uh, if you didn't have a very good understanding as to what are you getting charged. And hence, we we both, uh, from a family perspective, have been in working in the in the financial industry, and we kind of started investing on our own. But I said, if someone like us, who's pretty well educated, who's worked in the financial industry, is finding it tough to potentially kind of get unbiased advice and maybe uh, low cost investment opportunities, um, the problem must be much worse uh, across the other sectors or segments. Um, and hence, that's 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 the personal pain uh, with which we started saying, "Hey, how do we try and make investing easier?" Yeah, that's that. Yeah, so this is interesting, actually, because uh, I, I I come from a, a, a finance background as well. I mean, I spent a number of years on the sell side in Wall Street, working at various investment banks, and uh, you know, I, now I'm I'm a full time investor. I work at a hedge fund, and I'm also a private equity investor, and I've kind of had to. Um, to learn a lot of that on my own, uh, despite the fact that I spent a career on uh, Wall Street. Um, and I think you're right, because uh, a lot of times when you join Wall Street, you kind of you get uh, pigeonholed into a certain specialty. And so uh, it's kind of one of those things where um, I would go to like a family reunion and people would ask me, hey, so, uh, you know, how should I invest my money? Um, and the advice that you're used to giving to clients, say on Wall Street and this sort of thing, is completely different than you would give to an individual um, from both a sort of a, a risk profile to even the complexity of the instruments that you'll be uh, using to invest to be trading. Right. So I completely understand where you're coming from. Um, so uh, having said that, so why don't we dive into your business? So we invest. Uh, tell us a little bit about. Uh, first of all, the team, how, how did you get started? Uh, who are your co-founders? Um, and maybe just give us a broad overview of, of what the actual business is. Sure. Um, so I'll give you a quick overview of team. So it's uh, the three of us who are uh, the team of co-founders. Uh, Anant, who's the CTO, um, came from a pretty distinguished background of being the, the CTO at WeLend, which has launched a I think a huge number of P2P lending kind of a business across Hong Kong and China and an extremely successful kind of startup. It's no longer one uh, in terms of it's a unicorn. Uh, and he was there for almost three and a half years. Before that, he was with Standard Chartered um, running uh, the Breeze program, which is if you're a Standard Chartered users and use their mobile app, that's called Breeze. Right. Uh, and he kind of spent his early years in technology in Oracle and Amazon. Um, so, you know, gone through the whole phase of uh, changing and evolving technologies in Amazon and then working in fintech, both in Standard Chartered and also on, in VLAN. Rajesh, on the other hand, who's the COO, um, started off setting up operations and he did a lot of operations in India, uh, setting up operations basis for both HSBC and Lehman Brothers across Bombay and Pune. Uh, and then he did his startup stint with an ad tech exchange called Pubmatic. Right. Uh, and then was in the US when we touched base and we got talking about uh, what we were going to do and then kind of moved to India uh, to kind of be the whole anchor for us in India. Uh, and Anand and I got introduced to a mutual friend of ours. Um, and, and, and the whole thing made sense. 
Got it. Okay, so let's talk a very basic uh, about about the company and your your business model itself. Uh, what exactly does does We Invest do? If you could explain it from a, a very high level, um, and then kind of if you could walk us through sort of the the user experience, if you will. Perfect. Okay. Um, so while we were thinking of getting uh, making the whole experience of investing a lot easier. Um, we invest basically focuses on ensuring the fact that it can be done from an end user or a let's call it a individual investor perspective who's typically let's a mass market investor mm-hmm. or uh, emerging affluent investor but we also ensure the fact that we make investing easier through a relationship manager so that's largely the affluent to high net worth clients who use a relationship manager so for both sides of the segments we build different solutions and they're called grow wealth and advice wealth uh, Grow Wealth is a self-service advisory platform and Advise Wealth is an RM-assisted advisory platform. And the whole idea is these digital wealth platforms, we white-label it for banks, brokers, asset managers, uh, insurance companies to basically ensure the fact that their clients can get access to a next-generation investment experience. I see. So we are not a direct B2C kind of business. What we built is an entire stack of not just technology, but also investment strategies, the operations to support uh, a wealth management business, actually uh, managing the whole platform on the cloud. And we launched this for multiple kind of uh, firms. So we just launched uh, over the last month uh, a robo-advisory platform with uh, CGSC IMB, one of the largest security firms in Southeast Asia. Mm-hmm. We launched a self-service advisory platform with uh, OCBC Bank, the second largest bank in Singapore. And we have multiple launches coming up, one with the largest bank in Thailand, uh, a couple more in the Middle East, and one in the UK. Wow. Okay. It sounds like uh, you guys are getting some some great traction then. So uh, let's dig in a little bit deeper. Um, so let's say, for example, okay, so my understanding is uh, it's basically a almost like a SaaS product that uh, is, uh, is white labeled with the um, end user, uh, the end sort of host, which is uh, probably a bank or a, an, an advisor, a wealth manager or relationship manager, right? Um, now, if let's say um, let's let's just take OCBC for example. Let's say I'm I'm a I'm a customer of OCBC, and I have an account there, and I want to use um, is is Grow Wealth the one that uh, would would be the one that I would be using via their platform or Advise Wealth? Yeah, so Grow Wealth is what you would be using in OCBC or CIMB, mm-hmm. uh, and let's give you a quick overview, right? So mm-hmm. there could there are again multiple journeys which we have enabled there. So let's say you're a, a not-so-sophisticated investor. Let's say you're a newbie to investing. Yes. Um, you could go in, uh, and they're across different versions, there are slightly different nuances, but you could go in and set up your goal, go through a risk profiling in one case, whereas in other case, you could just choose a risk profile and then get recommended uh, an investment portfolio, which is potentially suitable given your kind of uh, financial position and your risk profile. Uh, Going forward, you could kind of completely do an online onboarding uh, onto the platform, providing all the documents and making all this, uh, uh, the potential kind of documents uploads done. And then you could also kind of make the instant transfer and within a day your portfolio is set up. So it's a classic 1.0 uh, robo-advisory kind of a journey. And I use robo-advisory only because it's a common nomenclature, but 
Not that I love the term. Um, but on <laughs> the other if you're a sophisticated investor, you could potentially go and explore what we call a wide variety of managed account uh, portfolios. Uh, these range across thematic investments to other kind of uh, passive long-term asset allocation investments, which means the fact that you could invest for the short term to medium term with some of these thematic baskets you really kind of associate yourself with. Uh, and some themes are are extremely interesting, right? So I could associate with, uh, for example, clean energy or water, or maybe even yummy, which invests in chocolate snacks and coffee. Mm. Um, on the other hand, maybe slightly more sophisticated hedge fund investor like you uh, could maybe associate with rising interest rates as a theme, right. or Australian financials, or uh, or Trump Trumponomics, which is around the Trump's industrial policy hmm. of, uh, of increasing infrastructure spending. Uh, so there, there are a variety of these themes which I feel are far more relatable for end investors in today's world rather than the long-winded uh, kind of unit trust or some of the structured product names. Um, so you could take either of these journeys as an end investor and completely go through an advisory process online along with obviously real-time reporting, notifications. You could get advice maybe once in a, a few months saying, hey, you're rebalancing your portfolio either given market movements or the fact that your portfolio is deviated from the asset allocation uh, significantly. So we want to kind of get it back. Um, and which is typical of any kind of systematic investing parlance. Right. Yeah. So, so um, I'm, I'm, I'm curious uh, where, how did the strategies, uh, where did the strategies come from basically? I mean, I mean, if you're using a, let's go back to the example of, uh, of, of that you just gave of, let's say you wanted to do thematic, uh, investing and you wanted some exposure in, uh, you know, in Trumponomics, like you said, you know, like where, who, where does that strategy come? Who puts that together? How does that get uh, populated? Um, and how does that get expressed in, you know, in, 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 in the form of uh, an investment uh, product? Good question. So um, you call us a SaaS, uh, which is typically software as a service, typically provided on the cloud. We call ourselves typically a, a platform as a service because we provide an end-to-end digital wealth as a service. And the primary reason being that the, the investment strategies are also provided by the platform. Mm. And we also run a lot of the operational support, however small and uh, minimal it is, including, let's say, a client onboarding, related ops, or even trade reconciliation or valuation or any other operation support required. But coming back to the strategies, uh, we... We, Chiranjit is one of our core team members, came in again very early on, almost two, two and a half years back. Uh, he came from a background of running prop strategies in JP Morgan, uh, Citibank, Nomura, Lehman Brothers. And uh, we said, hey, why don't we kind of try and build on what strategies you've been working on in the past and try and make them even more, uh, what do you call, systematic and algorithmized. Mm-hmm. So we use a variety of approaches across passive asset allocation. And uh, for the thematics, a lot, a lot of factor-based uh, kind of systematic investing models. Right. Uh, we largely believe in a in a QVM, quality, value, and momentum-based factor-based investing mm-hmm. model to construct mm-hmm. a lot of these portfolios. Um, and we kind of created almost 50, 55 of them. But that's not the only piece, right? We also pro- went ahead and collated strategies from a variety of index providers, uh, MSCI, SNP, um, you know, Morningstar, uh, some of the other asset managers like Schroeder's, um, 
some of the specialist kind of quant firms from UK. Uh, one of them came out of Morgan Stanley Investment Management, and we have what's called a global brand strategy from them. So our view is the fact that it's not just our strategies, but you should be able to get the best of all worlds by getting the best of systematic investing strategies from across a variety of players. And uh, the financial institution we deal with is pretty much kind of uh, open to either only use their strategies, which are their in-house strategies, or choose from uh, the best of what we have in the marketplace. Right. <laughs> it, makes, uh, it makes a lot of sense. Um, as far as uh, the uh, advise wealth uh, vertical, maybe you could walk us through that uh, quickly. Well, yes, and that's been maybe one very interesting piece because actually that emanated a lot of customer feedback which we were getting really early on in in late uh, 2015, uh, mm-hmm. which kind of led us to build advice well. Uh, the relationship manager as a channel has always been a very important one, especially in the affluent to high net worth, whether you call it premier priority banking in a retail bank or uh, in the private banking uh, space. Uh, but the pace at which that affluent to high net worth segment is growing uh, to the pace at which RMs or relationship managers are, are being able to scale in terms of numbers is obviously widely different. And apart from that, you obviously have challenges around compliance controls. You also have challenges around travel, uh, productivity being a key issue, and how do you really engage clients. Uh, and we felt that a lot of these were related to the fact that uh, the RM was almost kind of left as here's some information which we will send to you on email here's a whole bunch of forms for you to fill um, here's an investment advisor or a product team if you're in a pretty tier one institution but in the other cases it was not even there uh, but off you go and we felt that there was a pretty good opportunity uh, and if you look at some of the models in the us uh, or even in mainland europe the rm has been required to be digitally enabled to kind of make him as productive as possible, not only in the advisory process, but also ensure the fact that the backend process is as straight through automated as possible in order right. to make the whole experience. And, and that's part of being our whole philosophy across all the products. It's digital wealth or digital kind of uh, solutions is not about only a user experience, which I call is the tip of the iceberg. I mean, it could, I mean, you could really have a great, um, amazingly well-designed, front-end experience but if the back-end is not as digitally kind of straight through as the front-end is it just doesn't kind of make sense as an end-to-end digital proposition so we focused on a lot of straight through processing through the middle office back office slash right down to execution connectivity and being able to execute trades straight through uh, with some of the best brokers around in the world and that whole process helped us in then saying at the relationship manager level we're going to help him go through his entire series of tasks, be it analyzing clients and analyzing client positions, being able to convince them on what they should be doing next, to being able to manage the portfolio through alerts, notifications, through a wide variety of ideas and news and research. So an end-to-end kind of enablement of the relationship manager so that he can run his entire business of advising and managing people's money on a tablet and basically be extremely mobile, never have to come back to the office unless he really wants to kind of spend some time with his colleagues or with the products team, uh, is what we kind of uh, went for. And we hmm. call it what we call the the Jarvis suit or the Iron Man suit for 
for the RM for him to kind of be on like boosters. <laughs> Yeah, that, I mean that it's, it makes sense as well. I mean, I, I'm I'm just thinking, uh, you know, I I I have a relationship manager at uh, at, at a private bank, which I won't name, <laughs> but uh, he's very good. Uh, but I'm just thinking uh, how uh, you know traditionally, a lot of the banks were uh, the private banks were the bankers and the RMs were forced to exclusively sell their their own in-house products, and they still are to a certain extent. But I've seen that shift a bit now and they're actually opening up to basically catering around the needs of the client uh, regardless of if their institution can provide that or not uh, so that's good to to hear but it sounds like the advised wealth is something let, let's say if i were in their shoes and i was a relationship manager it would be nice to have uh basically a seamless platform um like you like you described that i can basically access uh, out of the office on my tablet um, and 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 take care of all of my clients and, and track everything uh, you know remotely. So it, it sounds like a a pretty good value proposition that you have uh, there. Um, so why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, the economics of how we invest makes money, um, and then how sort of uh, how does the the fees the fee the fees work? I mean, I imagine it's uh, sort of a subscription type model from. From the banks and the counterparties that use you but uh is there any sort of incentive fees when uh one of the uh, end products gets uh, used or invested into um so we have a, a a wide variety of what you call models uh primarily because uh when we do the platform as a service which is uh and i call the six or seven parts of the iceberg or the entire service we deliver as uh, front-end user experience on the technology uh, the middle and back office technology, the investment strategies, the uh, the market data and all the infrastructure connectivity to variety of exchanges, the operational support on managing this platform to also the infrastructure support when it comes to technology infrastructure and we run it on the cloud in AWS and other cloud providers. When I provide that entire stack, I'm basically running your business, right? Mm. A wealth management. And when we do that entire stack and we provide that as a comprehensive service, which we call PaaS or platform as a service or digital wealth as a service, we do charge an AUM-based fee. Um, for other models, which is akin to typical fintech players where either I'm going to kind of provide you only the technology and I'm going to provide you the technology and install it in your kind of enterprise infrastructure, we do go by uh, kind of poor user pricing sometimes or a license fee model. Uh, right. If although we've not had a SaaS install, but where someone just wants the technology and nothing else, um, we're maybe doing one of that right now in Thailand. But we're also going to expand that into a pass model at some uh, in the next phase. Um, we we then charge uh, a license fee again or a per user model or SaaS fee model. Interesting. I, I like I like how you uh, I like how you've uh, you call it define it the platform as a service or or wealth management as a service so to speak. Um, I think it's uh, that's a unique way of uh, of explaining what your company does. Um, so, Baskar, can you tell us a little bit about um, your future plans uh, for the coming year? I mean, I know you guys uh, did a funding round not too long ago. I believe a Series A. Um, you know, where, where are you guys uh, looking to expand to? Uh, you obviously have a pretty big presence here in uh, within Asia and the region. 
Um, what are your goals for the rest of the year and looking into 2019? Sure. I mean, it's been a pretty good year. As I said, we've ramped up to over seven clients and looking to almost double that figure in the next uh, after one year. Um, and it's purely around expansion, expansion across regions. So North Asia, Southeast Asia, which is our home base to the Middle East, where we already have clients kind of going live soon. Uh, second aspect is obviously deepening what we call the product and uh, broadening it in terms of asset class scope and some of the other nice to have functionality uh, and basically getting to an industrial scale of being uh, able to run almost 15 implementations at a go. We see some phenomenal demand across the region, um, across a wide variety of institutions. And uh, the whole idea is while we're running a, a pretty ambitious end-to-end stack, from a technology perspective also, we want, still want to continue to be very nimble and run implementations which are less than six months uh, in duration for the first phase at least. Uh, you know, we've, we've looked at in the past when it comes to these big, uh, what we call the behemoths of wealth technology, an average implementation was around 18, 18 months to 24 mm-hmm. in some cases. Um, too long, sometimes a number of them failed or have huge cost overruns when it comes to launching um, a new platform to, sub, uh, to support an existing business model, right? Versus we said that we want to try and ensure the fact that we are able to launch within six months, and we've kind of stuck to that uh, in every single instance um, so far uh, of launching it uh, within a good period of time with a certain amount of functionality and then continuously improving on that platform with them. Uh, And that requires us to do a lot of changes, ensuring the fact that we have very microservices, API-based from a technical architecture perspective, ensure the fact that we are able to build uh, a lot of operations automation even more than what we have already. Um, I know I love the conversation which we had with one of our ops leads uh, around two weeks back in Bangalore where he said, in three years, I would want to kind of reduce my ops team potentially into half and hopefully not have to scale that at all uh, because a lot of it can be automated and we continue to automate it every single uh, month. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty exciting what's happening. The disruption that's happening in uh, in within finance uh, and wealth management and, um, you know, I mean, the macro... The macro is correct and it's right. You guys are aligned perfectly. You know, I mean, I think it's uh, every week now I'm reading another article on Bloomberg or one of these news sources that talks about uh, the number of wealthy people in Asia and the number of millionaires coming out of China or billionaires or whatever it is, the number is now. Um, and then on the same token, uh, e- equally as frequent, I read about how um traditional sort of uh, finance uh, is getting uh, basically it's it's a it's a sunset industry how technology is disrupting everything and uh, you know the rise of things such as robo advisory and 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 the stuff um, factor-based investing and systematic investing like like you talk about so um, I, you know I'm excited for for you guys that we invest I think that you guys are onto something uh, good and we're looking forward to sort of fa- tracking your progress um, and seeing how you guys grow. Um, last two questions I have for you, uh, Baskar, and thank you again for your time and for sharing your story. Um, the second to last question that I have is, 
uh, and I like to ask this for for a lot of entrepreneurs, um, is uh, is a piece of advice that you could give to our audience listening in, and and this is uh, probably uh, particularly relevant to a lot of our audience members because um, because of your background, having worked, having had a career, uh, you know, touching a lot of the financial services industries, um, and then coming out from there and having the sort of audacity to start do a startup um you know and and you're you're obviously very well um seasoned professional you're not like a young kid coming out of college trying to do a startup um so you know i feel like there's a lot of people that might have been might be in the shoes that you were in um you know before you started this had this itch or this desire to do a startup but they're constrained by the financial system or by the nice paycheck or or whatever their their personal um constraints were so if you had a one piece of advice that you could give to aspiring entrepreneurs uh what would that be uh <laughs> one piece of advice i'd kind of break it up into three things but i'll keep it very crisp if you want me to do that <laughs> um i think the most important thing is to be uh be flexible uh, we all come out i think when we're thinking about it uh working in a space to kind of we have a certain passion and a certain idea which we think is the next big thing but i think it's also very very important to be able to hear feedback and really go and stress test that while you're even building out things and while you're even kind of seeing feedback to be able to kind of change directions pivot add new things or or, or cut out something which was very close to your heart and that's maybe been i think something which i've seen across so many other uh, predecently successful people uh, the second point i think is extremely important is please stay extremely frugal uh, you may have been bankers you may have been extremely well forming executives but there's uh, there's a lot which you can squeeze out of every single dollar mm. but i think the most important thing is uh, is you really need to ask yourself if um if you have the right amount of tenacity because it is going to test you it's going to test you uh, emotionally it is going to test uh, a lot of your confidence abilities you may have great contacts but it's not necessarily that every single contact or even those contacts are going to be extremely helpful um in the context which of the problem you're trying to solve um so it's uh, it's got to, you've got to be really tenacious uh, and just keep plugging on uh, you know forget the last bad week and just try and figure out what you can do in the next week to kind of make things better. Absolutely. Um, I, I actually personally like your second uh, piece of advice about frugality, because I think that uh, if you come from a banking background, you're probably not that used to, you're probably used to a, a higher standard of living than a startup founder is, most startup founders are. So um, frugality is obviously a core tenet of wealth building. And uh, obviously when you're, trying to build a, a company, you want to, like you said, squeeze as much juice out of every dollar as possible. Um, uh, it's, it's been such a pleasure. Uh, and thank you for, again for, for sharing your story. The last question is simply, um, where can people find you, follow you, connect with you, and maybe learn a little bit more about WeInvest? Uh, LinkedIn. <laughs> <laughs> okay you're on linkedin we'll connect with you on linkedin we'll have your profile linked up and then it's uh it's weinvest.com is that right weinvest.net 
that net that net that's right okay well great we'll uh, we'll get that all linked up and uh again uh Buscar, it's been it's been great hearing your story thanks for sharing it sharing uh this the journey with us and we look forward to hearing uh more good news uh as you guys uh build out your company so best of luck to you thanks jay really appreciate it all right great take care bye I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.